Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza, welcoming you in after a, um, I guess we'll pick the adjective here, Chris Anderson. Um, there's a lot of them. What one do you think is most appropriate for what we witnessed? A 24-3 victory for number 11 Oklahoma State over West Virginia. Uh, lifeless. Um, I thorough beating i'm not sure what else to describe here what's your best adjective for this one mike how about this and i'll I'll let you choose it but i'm going to put neil brown on the spot here a couple of times after performances that mimicked this let's say across his first two plus seasons he's come out and said he is disappointed but not discouraged and what that means is that he's not happy with the outcome but the outcome doesn't necessarily uh, dissuade him from thinking that climbing progressing improving isn't happening like he still believes in what's going on the outcome doesn't support it but that doesn't mean that the project has gone bad i wonder if he would be discouraged or disappointed today does that make sense and what one would you pick there it does make sense i'm not sure if he would be discouraged it almost sounded like he was resigned to the fact that oklahoma state was simply a better team that did a better job preparing for this game and outperformed West Virginia in basically every way possible. I mean, I I felt that way personally with a lot of the things that went on, that Oklahoma State simply played better, uh, said as much, and even predicted that Neil Brown would say basically the same thing in the postgame, and he did. He kind of went on about that, about how Oklahoma State's a really good team, and they do this to a lot of people, really did it to West Virginia, and kind of just beat them up and down the uh, field. And I think so more, I wouldn't say discouraged, I wouldn't say disappointed, but I think resigned is a good word here. Here's a question for the fans, because you and I could answer this, and it doesn't mean much, certainly not as much as the audience I want to pitch this question to. So fans listening, if you have Twitter or the comments section up, you can certainly submit your response here, though, too. The explanation from Neil Brown is that it's a bad matchup, their defense is way too good for his offense, and specifically how Oklahoma State does defend West Virginia's offense does not have a counter for it. And everything you just said, Chris, that's a better team. My question then is: Is that adequate? No, this deep into his third season. So, oh wait, that wasn't for me, right? I wasn't. No, to well, that. I mean, there's your answer. I'm assuming other people can. Is that is that an adequate answer? This deep into his tenure, this deep into his third season. Is that an adequate response that our best is not better than theirs, but also our best is not good enough to win this game and our best is not good enough to have a counter to what they do and do well. And I don't know if people are going to be happy with that because what him him sitting there does is say that the best that he can come up with is not going to win this game. That's a heck of a situation to put yourself in on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, On a Saturday afternoon in what, week 10 of the third season? Yeah, that's not that's not a great spot. There's no more 
year zero plus one, zero plus two, um, you know, issues with the roster kind of thing. And I mean, he did bring that up about being thin. And yeah, he was dealt a tough hand when he got started, has had some rough breaks with some transfers, some injuries. But um, again, this is year three. There's been opportunity to build this thing up, change it, mold it how you want it. And that's what's been happening. So I feel like when you say that, when you say that it's not ready, and this is why some of that blame, and he and he he took it like it wasn't like he was avoiding it. He wasn't like he was trying to shield it and and put it on someone else. But that blame comes back on the head coach in this situation. Someone signed off on a game plan today that produced the fewest yardage in 27 years of West Virginia football. They have taken some beatings. They've been shut out a few times. They've played national champions and teams that played for you know the national championship or in the BCS. Obviously, conference champions they play. They've played some historic teams in the past 27 years. That's the team that held them to three points on the opening drive. 133 yards, 64 of which came on the opening drive. I don't think that's an easy thing for them as well. That's not Miami uh, of recent vintage, or I guess maybe more recent vintage. That's not the dominant Penn State teams. That's not Virginia Tech that had amazing defenses for a while. That's not, that's not, that's not. That's Oklahoma State that has now beaten you seven straight years. And we said this before, Oklahoma State just does what it does. And if West Virginia is the team that, that gets in its lane, it's only good when it gets into its lane. And then when they get there, it's pretty good. Oklahoma State starts in its lane and stays there, and you're not going to get them to turn uh, into another direction. They're very good at it. Um, I would ask you this, Chris. Is Oklahoma State's defense the best thing in the Big 12, the best unit, side of the wall, whatever you want to call it, the best thing in the Big 12? I would have a hard time saying no after what I saw today. You got me thinking. And, and right, real quick, I would say no. I, or I would say yes, I think it is the best thing. I can't think of another thing that is better, one team's offense or one team's defense that's better than what we saw from Oklahoma State today. Um, to further on your point, you, you were the one that told me this originally, that this was the worst offensive output as far as yardage goes since the 1994 season opener mm-hmm. against Nebraska. Um, I pulled that up, you know, the last time thing. The only other time in my lifetime, and I am not young, um, we're talking 1984 on, and it actually even extends beyond that, before my parents even got married, much less had me, is 94 Nebraska and 1991 Penn State. That's it. That's it. That yeah. this is well, this was a, a historically bad day. So so to say that other team's pretty good and they just beat us. I think I don't think that puts it in proper context of what exactly happened today. I mean, do you think this is a national championship caliber team they played today? I don't know. I'm not ready no. to go that far. I think no, they have no, a great defense. Yeah. They have a great defense and a mediocre offense that gave them opportunities and they couldn't capitalize. And, you know, again, this it, it was it was it's a great defense playing against a bad offense, I think. And mm-hmm. we saw what happened there. Um, key for you, any what's what's a single thing that you think? I mean, we could pick out a bunch and we could be here for quite some time. We both would rather get on with our Saturday evening, but major talking point for you that does lead to this outcome what do you do a quarterback i think i i, I don't know what what were the last couple of weeks of flash in the pan because last week i said that was the best pocket presence i've seen from jared Dagey since 2019 maybe ever um for west virginia uh he, he kept his eyes downfield at all times even with the pass rush in his face and that's why he saw those deep passes that's why he saw guys coming open on those out routes that's why he even moved his feet and got out of the pocket got a few yards 
uh, running the ball, which he doesn't do very often. And today, it looked like he was seeing ghosts again. It looked a lot like that quarterback that got pulled in the bowl game against Army, somebody who got sacked a couple times and then w- was hearing feet, was hearing hearing pass rushers every other play and holding on to the ball a little too long. Um, that was we talked was that the pregame pod where we talked about how it felt like Purdy was holding on to the ball forever mm-hmm. and a lot of those sacks fell on him. A lot of the sacks today I think fell on Daggy. I think he just held on to the ball too dang long. 8 sacks cost them 75 yards off their total. Shoot. Uh, Daggy goes 15 for 22. His 15th completion, his 21st attempt brings him over 100 yards for the day. He finishes 15 for 22 for 109 yards and an interception. That I did not see the play, but I understand that it was pretty much the effort in a nutshell. It's after a timeout on a fourth and two play. They throw it to Bryce Ford Wheaton, who I'm guessing, I'm told, I don't know, you could tell me, really wasn't expecting the ball to come to him. And yeah. the defensive back just runs through him and takes the ball because he wants it more. And as it was explained to me, that was pretty much emblematic of the day, too. So that's not good. Um, as you remember in our pregame pod, the thing that we usually end with is what we're going to talk about. We think I wondered how West Virginia would respond to not being able to run the ball. I did not think they'd be able to run the ball well. I, I I love when I'm right, Chris, but I did not expect 33 rushes and, again, eight sacks. So 25 rushes for it would have been 92 yards. But you're looking Terrence Mathis, Terrence Mathis, uh, Tony Mathis, 5 for 25, but Letty Brown, 10 for 24. Um, that's not going to get it done here. Do I have that right? Let's see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then that's right. Daigie, Daigie loses 35 total um, with eight sacks, so – that's not good, but you're talking your two main running backs, 15 carries for 49 yards. I wondered how they would respond and not being able to run to it. I saw nothing, creativity, imagination, that would say, here's our plan if and when the run does not work. Uh, we can talk about the game plan. Same flaw from the very beginning to me, maybe the first or third snap, and then it just went bad from there too, but couldn't run the ball and did not have the the weaponry on offense. It, this has nothing to do with Isaiah Esdale not playing and Bryce Ford Wheaton not practicing until – Friday, which is a, a kind of a sweaty walkthrough. You don't really do a whole lot on a Friday. Um, just nothing offense, rudderless when it came to the passing game. Leads me to this. First play, go deep on a shot. Third down, third play, try to go deep again. Miss Sean Ryan. So nothing is really working there. And they continue to shoot the moon against that pass rush and with that offensive line. I don't understand that. Uh, did press Neil Brown about it. Um, what was his explanation? What did you think of his explanation? Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I, this is going to come as a surprise for a lot of people because th- there are a lot of times we hop on this post game podcast and and what we think and what we see and what we say does not jive entirely with, um, what Neil Brown says. This time, I felt like a lot of what he said was I felt this I felt similarly. I, I mean, I think you brought up a good point when you asked the questions about the the deep pass and trying to do that, and but the one on one stuff. It's 100%, man. Like, like, there were several plays where I think this was early in the game. It was just a, a quick little jet sweep to Sam James. Oh, my God. And he got it, and there's a guy, and it's just one linebacker and Sam James in wide open space. And, it, again, it, that's what you draw up plays for, to get these one-on-ones in space with your best athletes and the ball in their hand. And he was there. And the guy made a good play. The other guy made a good play. West Virginia didn't. And that just kind of seemed to be what went on every single day. He even singled out Neil Brown, even singled out how the offensive and defensive lines, the defensive line did a good job of forcing one-on-ones 
which it seems like they knew they could beat with a, what he called a bare front and getting those guys up there and just beating West Virginia one-on-one. And it seemed like when there were 11 guys on the field or, or 11 battles on the field, Oklahoma State was winning 10 of them every time out there. Let's talk about that play. It's a, it's not even just a touch pass to Sam James. It's almost like a, a misdirection. He lined up as the H-back, right? He's not coming in motion ever. So that's a, that's a spot where you're not expecting that play to come from. If you're watching film of West Virginia, you're, you're expecting the touch pass in certain spots not from a prone player. It's almost always a player who's motioning in, right? Um, that play happened, and, and someone, I don't want to out this person, but someone who, who watches the games, has coaching experience, DM'd me during the game and said, I'm astonished by the defensive diagnosis of the Oklahoma State linebacker on that touch pass counterplay. It was that obvious, too, and that was Malcolm Rodriguez, who is like this blitzing middle linebacker who was a terror. Uh, nine tackles, eight solo. Here's something for you, Chris, because you mentioned one-on-ones. That's a play in space that, that had a chance. There are other times. I mean, literally from the opening kickoff, Winston Wright has a chance if he breaks a, a, breaks a tackle and he couldn't. Special teams I get. But on defense, 59 tackles for Oklahoma State, 51 solo stops. That's incredible. I, I don't know what the uh, – sorry, I, didn't, I don't know what the actual like percentage is, but it's not that high. That like for an average game, it no. is not that high. Not even close. No, because and, and all that because one they were they were squashing stuff early, like catch tackle. I don't know why West Virginia was intent on going outside as much as they were on stuff, but kept going outside and and tackle right away. Um, TFL in the backfield, um, a lot of solo sacks. That's just one on one stuff, and they kept winning and winning. So when when Neil Brown talks about you know the five one on ones that they kept setting up into the bear formation, which they they do play bear, they don't play bear that much. And that's just an alignment thing that makes it difficult because they're going to create they're going to create an alley for somebody to come through. When you have Rodriguez, who's that good, he's going to be able to do stuff there. But I mean, they had they had a linebacker and a defensive end who played on opposite sides, who both had three TFLs and who both had two sacks. It's hard to game plan or play when you have that going on too. I was just confused about why they thought they can go deep and pass protect against this team. I understand taking a shot on it, but even even Brown's explanation after the game was we had a couple early, we tried a few more in the second quarter, the third quarter we had a couple and they didn't work. Well, wait a minute here. <laughs> They're not going well in the first and second quarter and you have halftime. Are you really going to go back to the well in the third quarter? And they did. And then some of their most productive plays was quick stuff outside and screens back in. And then, you know, they hit Letty Brown out of the backfield once or twice that made some action happen. Uh, the screens were good or good enough. And just the quick stuff I just thought would have been an answer too. Um, I don't know if you run draws or if you go to a stick draw game, you probably can't RPO, but I wonder how you throw ice on that defense and cool them off a little bit. And I guess we're still going to wonder because it hasn't happened. And listen, I get that they do that and their defense is very good. Again, that's probably the best thing in the big 12 right now, but I don't know that you can just wave the white flag because they're really good at something. I think you have to have a plan A, a plan B and a plan C, even if it's out of character for you to go to it. Um, and when the other team adjusts and plays more man against you or plays more, more bare front against you, and they're good at it because they can do it, you, you kind of realize that you have a shortcoming if you can't make those adjustments or you can't adjust them to fly and you get beat 24 to 3. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I, we talked about or in my three key matchups, and we talked about it on the preview pod too, the, the success that other teams had 
still running the ball. Like they weren't getting four or five yards a pop, but they were running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, play action, screen, play action, screen, finding a lot of success when they did that. I did feel like West Virginia was hitting a couple of those screen passes early. Um, traditional play action. That's not usually in West Virginia's repertoire, mm-hmm. but at least some, some, some um, RPO kind of stuff. I, I, they did their usual amount. It just didn't seem like anything was that much different than usual. And if you're going to go deep, you, like helping with some play action or at least giving off a thought of a, a short pass or a run or something is going to help draw those safeties in. And instead it was just, hey, this is a deep pass. And it was easily easily diagnosed by everybody on the defense as soon as the snap went off. And that's why it was never open. That's why it didn't work in the first quarter, didn't work in the second quarter, didn't work in the third quarter. Do you have the first down numbers? Not yet. I'm pretty sure they averaged like two yards of play on first down. It was something crazy like that when I was doing the math. And I think I overheard somebody say that in the media scrum afterwards, just doing the math in his head. But I want to oh, say I it do, was like. I do have it. Yeah, you ready? 2.6. On first down. First and, down plays. 21 first down plays for 55 yards. Oh. <laughs> and, sa- and sacked four times. And, and again, like, why are you doing that? And maybe, again, I understand if you can't run it, you're going to have to pass it, but, like, you're putting sackable plays in, where if you think about how they ran under control against Iowa State, but what they do to Iowa State, quick stuff, quick stuff, and try to do it. Now, granted, you may run into a bunch of solo tackles, but maybe you make a guy miss and you do something. I don't know. That was tricky. And then they, they came in with 15 straight third down stops. They got six in a row to start the game. So they extended their third down stop to 21 straight. But third and 10, third and seven, third and two. Third and 12, third and 33, <laughs> outrageous. Uh, third and 11, third and three. So in the first six, three of them, I guess two of them were makeable. The other four were like an eternity of there. So that's not good. Um, and then you're just looking at the numbers here. Third and 12, third and 13, third and 17, third and 12, third and six. Like all long ones. And you're, you're if you're West Virginia, you don't have a card you can pull. I mean, a few teams do to get third and 33 or third and 13, but third and 17, but again like just stay out of those situations and a lot of them were just negative plays on first down and then when you're in trouble on first down you you know third down's coming against the best third down team in the country for the past two seasons you got to do something on second down you get more aggressive you reach deeper into the cookie jar and you get your hands really dirty and that makes third down a miserable experience and it it really was too and then um let's get to the quarterback situation here too from what I understand, there was some chirping during the game about how they probably have to play green more. I don't know why we're still doing this, but I don't think he stands a chance back there tonight. Maybe he runs a little bit more, but you're probably not getting a whole lot of the offense. And even if he does scramble or run or do something, you can call some plays. You're not going to ride him the rest of the game in a game that for a while was still winnable. Daggy comes back in, you're going to go back to the other defense because you're not worried about him beating you. So even success with Garrett Green is probably only going to last you so long. So here we are with that, but... Again, knocking for the fumble, that's a 26-yard loss on third and seven where he just tried to make something happen. As I could tell, he was running with the ball in his right hand because maybe he can make a pass. It gets knocked out, goes the other way. It really should have been 7-3 to three at that point. West Virginia gets a break that West Virginia just has not gotten in the past two games against Oklahoma State and recovers that fumble instead of it being a strip six. That's probably the best thing that happened to the offense all day. Yeah, they got incredibly lucky. That was a... Again, questionable play by Green. You're, you're right. It was in his right hand. It looked like he was trying to roll out that way and still be able to have the option to throw it. Mm-hmm. But a great play by Mathis to get back there and recover that fumble. But I thought we were going into this game talking about how um, they were getting away from this, that that the mid-series quarterback swap 
was a thing of the past. I thought, you know, that was that was it. That wasn't going to happen anymore after last after last week. And it seemed like they doubled down on it. I mean, first drive, he's in there. Uh, he's back in there again and again. Um, and as I said, my three immediate thoughts for the first time this season, I do not know what I would do at quarterback. Now, I've had naturally have had a lot of thoughts on what they should do at quarterback. I don't know if they're always right, but I do have thoughts. I know what I would do if I were the coach. But this is the first time, I think, all season where I'm left staring and wondering, what would I do if I were coach? Mm. What would I do at the quarterback position next week? Because as much as Green kind of gave a spark there for a while, he hasn't given one the last couple games, and he's been almost a detriment in, in, in when it really matters. And I, I don't know if I would go to him full time. I, I think you still have something to play for. Again, we keep talking about, hey, bowl eligibility, try to get there, try to get there. Four and five, it's it's going to be tough, but they're still in the mix. And so I don't know if I'd make that switch yet. But then again, you go look at Deggy, and now I'm wondering, are is it back to where it was before that two week stretch? That was it. Or is this just a case of they played a really good defense? I, don't, I honestly don't know the answer. Well, they played a trash defense against TCU. So they were able trash. to do what they wanted because they, well, they could run the ball and that, that makes it easy in the quarterback. And then there, there is something to be said about just putting the ball and play against Oklahoma's or Iowa state's defense. Cause Iowa state will give you the edges. Cause they're not going to let, let you beat them in the middle. And West Virginia had a game plan to do that. Credit to Daigie. He made a ton of those throws from the hash to the far sideline. That stuff is not there against Oklahoma State. I don't know enough about 2021 Kansas State to to say that what they do and how it's going to be. But I just think that the comp is probably different, and you can't necessarily assume that this is such a reset that Daigie is bad in the Daigie's back in the bad category again. Because if the Kansas State defense is what it's been the past couple of years, West Virginia's been pretty good against that. So I, I, that's that's probably a conversation for Monday and, and and Wednesday for us, Chris. But certainly it's not promising. We saw it today, and there were some things today too where. You could you can simulate what Oklahoma State did. You may not have the personnel, but that play that page can be in your playbook. You can get into a bare front, and if you have a really good defensive line, you can cause West Virginia's offensive line, which is better, but is still not what I would call very good. Um, you can cause them trouble, and you can listen. You can give offensive lines any good offensive line trouble when you get into one on ones and you're sending a fifth person from the second level. That's going to be difficult. So, I think that if you look at the past three games of West Virginia, you're going to say, hmm, they were good here. They were good here. They were not good here. And anybody would say, let's do the stuff that worked for the defense that held them to 133 yards to the best of our ability. And you might see some overlap there, too. Kansas State, 35-10 to 10 winner against Kansas. Kansas, complicit in West Virginia's season here. They will West Virginia will play three teams in a row um, that will play Kansas the week before. So Oklahoma State didn't need the confidence, but certainly got it 55-3. to 3. You have a 35-10 to 10 for Kansas State, which... By the way, they're six and three. I was surprised to learn that. I don't know why I haven't paid a ton of attention to them, but they're six and three. And then Texas, I don't know. Texas might be on fire right now in the bad way, but who knows? What if they score like 60 against Kansas, which is entirely possible when they come to Morgantown um, with a really good defensive line and ambitious ways on defense, too? That that one would concern me, too, because their defensive front is so big that that could be problematic, too. So I don't know. We'll see there. Um, West Virginia addressed 81 players today for a home game. It's typically in that 88, 89, 90 range. Um, injuries, uh, we'll see. If, we'll, we'll keep an eye on the transfer portal for one or two other players, things like that, just from rumblings. But they're they're thin in some spots. They're getting thin in some spots. Dante Stills, it sounds like, didn't practice this week. Still played well. 
Bryce Moore Wheaton, great game last week, didn't practice this week, so he was almost a non-factor. It's getting late in the season. Six games in a row to end is is okay, but man, the way that they're they're thinning out here in key spots is discouraging, especially with some you know a road trip coming up, and then Texas is going to be a very physical game, and but you you can't go zero and two. You can't go zero and two in these next two. You got to get one because you don't want to have again like if you put all your eggs in beating Kansas, fine, you may be right, but if you go zero and two before then, it doesn't matter because you'll have your seventh loss and you're playing a bowl game in Lawrence, Kansas, which is not what anybody really wants at this point too. Um, I don't know. Just, just again, it's. I just don't think that you can say that. while wow, that team is so good that you can wash away a lot of the, the despair today. And maybe that's the word that we're trying to figure out: despair instead of discouraged and disappointed. But not an encouraging performance on the heels of back-to-back wins. No, uh, but if those those people who are not crying into their beers right now or wherever you are, um, a little silver lining. Defense was still great for West Virginia. I mean, it gave up 24 points. But the three touchdowns that Oklahoma State scored, those drives went 53 yards, 26 yards, and 45 yards. You know, so we're talking an average starting position for their three touchdowns of what the West Virginia 43, you know, across midfield, like in plus territory, is where on average they were to score those touchdowns. So a decent performance. Again, Oklahoma State's offense is not good. So this isn't something to completely right home about but this is this is a silver lining from a otherwise just terrible game yeah field position was brutal uh middle of the second quarter both teams are starting at their 28 i believe uh, at the end of the game oklahoma state nine yards better at their 37 uh west virginia five yards worse at their 23 west virginia opens 11 plays 64 yards field goal next drive five plays 10 yards and then three and out three and out three and out We'll just skip what happened at the end of the first half. Uh, start the second half with an eight-play, 27-yard drive, punt, and then three straight three and outs, and the game's pretty much over there. Actually, let's let's do this. Let's do the end of the first half and get out of here. What do you, what do you say? Any Fine. issue with what can happened? I, can, can, yeah, I have a lot of issues with it. I know you said, I, or at least I saw your your Twitter comments. Are you still standing by your Twitter comments sure. that you were okay with how it ended? I just want to say this. This is not karaoke. Like, you don't get to cue me up to ask questions in the press conference, right? <laughs> we can have conversation, but stop saying, someone please have the nerve to ask, like, watch a press conference, kiddo. These these questions do get asked. And, like, we've talked about this a bunch to the point that people, like, roll their eyes and send us messages about, please stop talking about this. But I said this at the end of the at the in the Baylor post game. Like, I think Brown reached a point where he just realized that the, the worst possible outcome is certainly on the table in those situations. Because, again, he sat in the ball against Baylor on the road. And then here... I don't know. Like I saw, but I just like, man, you're down 10, three and they get the ball. Like, man, if you give them seven or three with a mistake or a, a quick punt, cause they had timeouts left too. And your punter wasn't punting very well. So I just wonder about that. Now that the wrinkle here is that they gain a first down right away. And I think that's maybe what brings into play. And then they could just kind of what stand over the ball for a little bit and let some time tick away. But I don't, cause I think a lot of times in that situation, you're going to start that drive and say, all right, well, let's see what happens on first down. So they get the ball at the 24, Four, it looks like here. All right, well, let's see what happens. Let's run a play and see what happens. Run play, 15 yards. And I get to 39 with like 45 seconds left. That's probably when the plan really goes into action. But I can just see Brown saying, man, if we throw an incomplete, it's second and 10. Their pass rush is really good. Who knows what happens? I just don't think that's the time he wants to test his fate. They're down seven, They're down 10 to three. It's not 17 to three. It's not 13 nothing. They're theoretically in the game. Their defense has played well enough where, hey, get a stop and start the second half, get the ball back. And it could be 10 10. It could be 10 six. I'm I'm open to interpretation on that. What do you think? Uh, I 
I wasn't okay with it. I like the run to start, but then as soon as you, what do you always say, Mike? Get get two plays in. Get two plays. Hey, if we get a first down, do this. If we don't, do this. And I think at that, when you get 15 yards right off the bat with Letty Brown, and there's still there's 50 some seconds left, and yeah, it ended up being 40 some seconds because. They got up to the line and then just stood there, looked over the sidelines. And maybe it's an optics thing because, I mean, Deggie's, Deggie's looking over the sidelines, shrugging his shoulders and flailing around looking for an answer like my seven-year-old. Like, what, Dad, what are you doing? And he's looking at Neil Brown like, hey, come on, come on, what's going on? Or whoever, or whoever's calling plays. And instead they just kind of stand there and then he ends up taking a sack. And then at that point it's like, okay, it's over. But I think you had to have a play there ready and raring to go, especially because the clock's stopping for you for the first down. It's not a long stoppage, but it's stopping long enough for you to get up there, run a play, see what happens. Maybe just run the same running play if you're worried about an incomplete pass. See if you can get another 7, 8, 10 yards from Letty Brown on the ground. That's like the only good run you've had all day. And maybe Oklahoma State staying in that prevent defense, you can get another chunk of running yards. It's entirely possible that they didn't know they had any timeouts. Like... Their habit is to burn through timeouts. Whether they just thought they had no timeouts left, I'm not commenting on that, Mike. Like, well, I'm certainly we burned all of our timeouts. We don't have two left on the board. Well, they did. I should. They, I know they, they did have two because they took a delay game on. The yeah, they had one on the end zone. And I, I was watching that. I think Brown like let it go and was just like, eh, I'd rather I'd rather have the timeout, which kind of makes that last sequence I guess a little bit more confusing too. Uh, I don't know. You can send me letters on that one. We can talk about it, but. Did it matter? I think that the, the negative far outweighed the positive there. I just think it's it's pretty ambitious to think that West Virginia, which hasn't hit any big plays, is going to seamlessly march down the field there. Um, I don't know. Maybe Neil Brown and I agree on one. Uh, coming up tomorrow on the website, we'll have snap judgments, power rankings, three things I think, three things I know, which is going to be a struggle. I'm going to preview right now because uh, I did not see this one coming. We will not talk about the DM I sent you yesterday. Is that okay? That's fine. I think we'll, I think we'll let that slide. You're at a party? Not yet. Can uh, you hear the, the children in the background? They're like, Dad, let's go. <laughs> I'm headed to a party here. Uh, there is no partying in the parking lot tonight. Um, there's nobody on Willowdale or Don Knotts. The cars are already far out of town. So I think we should join them. What do you say? I think that's a good idea. Until next time, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.